Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey from Life, Passion and Business. Had all sorts of plans this week, didn't happen. But I did have a conversation with Angel Rebo, which reminded me of his podcast. But before we go there, I need to remind you that the money experiment is open until the end of the month. It is an opportunity to learn so much about yourself and your relationship with money. So do check out the links in this podcast to find out more about it. Back to this podcast... Angel Rainbow calls himself the CEO Confident. He was born in Spain. It's an amazing story. So I will leave you to my younger self to tell you more about it. I really think I was born to be the connector of the unconnected. I think that I've been able to develop this ability to actually spot the greatness in people and put it out there, help them put it out there. My name is Paul Harvey, and this is Life, Passion and Business. We're about helping you explore, finding your passion for life and the work that you do. But it's so much more than that. It's about finding clues to the big life questions. What does it mean to be successful? What is the meaning of life? If you're looking for more, then join me on this journey, where together we will discover through interviews, tools and tips, how to live life full of meaning, passion and purpose. You are about to hear a conversation with Angel Rebo. Now, he was born in Spain in a small town just outside Barcelona. Angel Ribot is known as the CEO Confident. He heads a consultancy for international business expansion and a charity teaching entrepreneurship to kids in Latin America. Angel's first love was languages and it was an early factor in his future success. And he speaks Spanish, Catalan, French, English and Portuguese. He went to college in the big city of Barcelona to study engineering and computer coding. Now college life was good, he got his degree, but he realised pretty early on that this was not the career for him. During college he volunteered at the 1992 Olympics and was part of the team managing the scoring and the stats for the volleyball competition. That was where he discovered the joy of working in teams as part of a bigger project. Out of college, having established software and coaching were not for him, he looked for work and the universe helped. He took on the role of international relations at his college, a perfect opportunity to use his language skills and to travel. The big break for Angel came when he was headhunted by an audiovisual projects company in Barcelona. It meant more project work, teamwork and working with creative professionals. His degree was put to good use in 1999 when he moved to the UK and found work with an international company selling software and training. Living in the UK and working for a US company opened the doors to sales, networking and lots of travel. Over the last 21 years, Angel has empowered more than 1,500 CEOs in 33 different countries. He's a public speaker, CEO consultant, board member, philanthropist and he has lived in eight countries. He has two missions in life. One is the non-profit Wisdom for Kids. There are 81 million children living in poverty in Latin America and Wisdom for Kids has already supported over 1,000 families and half of his coaching fees go straight to that organisation. His second mission is connected to the first and it's to inspire CEOs to give back to the world. 
Our conversation is a journey of exploration, travel and discovery. I hope you enjoy the conversation with Angel Rebo. So delighted to be with Angel Rebo and he is the CEO Confident. So I guess that will need a little unpacking as we do with all of our guests. Angel, thank you for being here today with me. Where are you in the world? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you to all the audience who's listening to us today. I am right now in uh, Dallas, Texas in the oh, US. Nice part of the world. So, yes, Angel, how did you get to where you are today? This is all about passion and things Thank you. connected with it. How did you get to be where you are as the CEO confident? Well, I think it's a it's a <laughs> it's a combination of of a lot of many different things. Probably number one to be always open to embrace opportunities, always thinking that you know there's not such thing as a definite destination for me. I always thought that the next step in my life was wherever the opportunity would present itself. Probably helping it helped a lot. Excuse me to learn languages very early on. I learned English and French. Besides, obviously my my mother tongue, you know, Spanish and Catalan, mm-hmm. and also eventually I learned Portuguese as well. So I think that uh, this, 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 all those things helped me a lot. And then also the fact that I, you know, I studied computer engineering and then that was my major. And then, uh, you know, I also studied a, a master's in business administration. I think that all those things helped me a lot to, you know, navigate for many different seas and wanting to always, you know, be in a little bit of an adventurer. So and go to different let's, places. Let's go back a bit and unpack some of that stuff because I mean, you, of you, course, it's quite a long journey there. And clearly, where where were you born? Where was where was home for you? I was born in Lleida. It's called. It's a it's a, a town near Barcelona, one hour southeast of Barcelona, southwest. Excuse me, southeast yeah, yeah, yeah. in the middle of the Mediterranean. Yeah. And uh, I was I was I lived there through my high school, and then uh, when I was seventeen years old, I moved to Barcelona for my computer engineering degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I was, I, I was also writing some scholarships to go there. So I, I, you know, since, since I was in college, I was already traveling abroad and, and having those experiences in other, in other countries and being, being used to interact with people from all over the world. Literally, I was exposed to communism, you know, for the first time in my life, actually, when I was in college, my first scholarship was in uh, Czechoslovakia when it was a still communist. Oh, amazing, amazing. Being in that, in, it must have been amazing to be in that country at that time. Totally, absolutely. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't emphasize it more, actually. And it was funny because we were a group of 25 foreign students from all over the world. I mean, it was the first time for me to meet with someone in Jordan, for someone <laughs> in Qatar. Again, it was the 80s, uh, mm. Paul. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, and we were in a communist country. And obviously, I mean, I remember my father gave me 300 bucks to spend for over the summer, 300 bucks. Okay, so you, you take care of those 300 bucks besides what the, you know, what the university, it was an internship in a university, besides of what the university is going to give you. Oh my God, those $300 gave me like, you know, really so much, such a long runaway to put it this way. Yeah, I mean, well, because... yeah, well, with that sort of money in the 80s in that country, you'd have been a king. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, it was funny because I was changing, I was exchanging my money like by bits, you know, so I would change $20 today and then $20 down the road. And I would still, I mean, I remember that one of the things I did when I left, the, when, when, I, when I finished my internship, I invited the whole department. Literally, we were like 20 or 30 people I invited. And that cost me probably like $15 or $20 to the best restaurant, restaurant of the best hotel of that town. Mm. I will never forget that. 
so that was quite an experience and it was that was actually the first the first communist country I've ever lived in and it was it was very nice very, so what drove you to engineering what was the passion about engineering what was driving you there well to be honest I was really good in computers when I was in high school yeah. I remember that it was you know I was one of those that would stay at the computer lab in the in high school like for longer I would I, would, I really loved coding I mean it was really a big passion of mine and then my father uh, bought as an Apple IIc at home and then again you know playing games and, and, and coding in basic and in prologue. I don't know if you remember that language, prologue and many oh. other languages. And it was, again, I liked it so much that when I had to decide where to go next, probably thinking of what's going to be the profession of the future, right? What could help me more for the future? I, I chose that because I liked it. But very early on, I, I, I found out that I really didn't like it much. And and you know, but I, I was already there, and I wanted obviously to honor all the investment that my family is, is was was putting behind me. So I I, I persevered, and uh, you know, eventually I got a degree. You know, at the same time I got that international experience I told you before. Mm -hmm. So when I finished college, and including by the way, being part of the of the Barcelona 1992 Olympics, that was also a highlight of my yeah. I was actually in charge of. It was one of the three volunteers, all of us three, like having already experience in computer engineering, three volunteers. So we were not paid by the Olympic Committee um, to run the results of the volleyball venues okay. for, the, for, for the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. It was, as you can imagine, it was a blast. I mean, I'm sure it must have been a lot of fun seeing oh. so much of a blast. And what an amazing thing it put on the CV. <laughs> yeah. Well, to, would you believe that I've never put it on my CV ever? Actually, it's not even on my CV on LinkedIn. Why? Yeah. yeah, I mean, because it was so normal for me and for us, you know, and it's funny because in order to be able to have that position, even if it was a volunteer, as you can imagine, there were thousands and thousands of people yeah. wanted to have that position. I was two years every single Saturday. I mean, that was a project. I mean, that was a thorough project. I mean, no wonder it went so well. I mean, really, the, I mean, mm. the, the outcome was really amazing. I mean, we really did it very, very, very well. I mean, but I was every single Saturday for two years going to any sort of volleyball event there was in the Barcelona area. I mean, it was just amazing. And we built that team of people that basically we were, you know, my team was basically in charge of, you know, reading the statistics. So it was a team of people that really know about the sport. And also people that were behind the screens, behind the computers, writing down the statistics, because you know volleyball is a, is a as, as as many other sports is very rich in the statistics, you know, in the stats. So we we had to we had to be like really really focused and learning and how to do it and what was you know what was a block and what was an attack and what was you know a defense and everything. It was an an, an incredible experience and obviously. Uh, we were exposed to the top, obviously, to the top, uh, you know, volleyball players in the world, to the top volleyball teams. And at the same time, being volunteers, we were given tickets to other venues. So we were able to go and, and watch. I remember watching soccer and, and uh, swimming and, and obviously that, that, track I, and field. Yeah, that must have been an amazing event in terms of for you, because the experience yes, you would have got doing the team. Was. Thing, I'm sure that experience paid paid it back over the years because you learned to work with a large team and creating stuff. Yeah, and we were very much in touch with the computer, com the company that got like the big contract for, you know, for all the computer yeah. uh, infrastructure for the games. 
was actually an American company. It's Electronic Data, Data Systems that was a spin-off of uh, General Motors. And it's funny how I eventually, where I live today here in the north of Dallas, I live where the headquarters of that company has been forever. It's called, again, EDS. Eventually, yeah. they became HP. Yeah. And now, you know, yeah, exactly. So they're consulting, HP consulting. But so anyway, uh, you got this amazing experience and you've got this degree and you're now, you now can do the computer stuff and it didn't inspire you anymore. No, 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 no. After my second semester, I said, this is not for me. <laughs> Technical stuff is not for me. As much as I like everything, I like coding and programming and I like physics and algebra and everything. This is not for me, honestly. And, and probably my, my, my fellow, my fellow students, <laughs> college, college mates could tell you the same thing. I mean, I really, I started to be more engaged and, and, and more like happy about my studies, my college studies as I was progressing, because as you know, you know, when you get to further, you know, further levels, you know, when you go to, you know, more advanced, you know, level in your career and your, in your college degree, um, the, the subjects become more, you know, more interesting, more information systems, more stochastic processes, like more specialized, but also more interesting, you know, uh, mm. kind of uh, subjects. Yeah. And I, I liked it more. So actually I liked more the last, and I had better, I had better grades on my last, you know, subjects during my career, during my, my college degree mm -hmm. than in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I mean, actually, to be honest, I think that my only works, my only jobs, part-time jobs on, I mean, on computers themselves, like programming, coding, or similar stuff were only until I got my degree. As soon as I got my degree, actually my first real job was for the dean's office, what is called here will be called in the dean's office here in the U.S. or the mm -hmm. president's office in, in Europe. It's called the rector's office. So the rector's office of my own college, they had they had in their in their, inside their director's office there was there was a, a a small group of people devoted to international relations. And oh my god, I loved it! Like working in international relations for my own university, getting to know so many people. In my in, in the entire organization, but also abroad, they would go to Europe all the time, you know, to Switzerland, to the UK, to the to France. I would go to Latin America, eventually to the US. I mean, it was it was really a blast. I had a, a great, great, great you know experience there, and it's funny because I still keep in touch with 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 who was the chief the chief of staff of the rector at that time. Like we still keep in touch with him. That's nice. That's sweet, isn't it? Obviously, you you obviously built an, an amazing connection, and I guess that's again. It's you're very much a networker by the sounds of it. I am. I, I mean, I consider myself to be, and that's something. Sometimes when someone asks me, "Hey, what do you do, Angel?" But don't tell me what you know. What your resume says. Don't tell me what your you know LinkedIn profile says. Tell me something else. I always say the same thing. I say two things. One is I'm, I really think I was born to be the connector of the unconnected. Mm -hmm. The connector and the and the unconnected. And the second thing I always say is, for some reason, I be put in a position to be the conduit of everybody else's greatness, Ooh. of everybody else's greatness. I think that I've been able to develop this ability to actually spot the greatness in people and put it out there, help them put it out there, so they can really make a living, or at least they can be someone else besides what they were supposed to do according That's to their professional career. That's a lovely career. quality to have because most people, a lot of people find it really hard to pinpoint where their, where their best bits are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good. That's a good and amazing quality.
Yeah. So, okay. Thank you. Thank you. You okay? You moving forward? You obviously somehow you landed in the U.S. and you ended up there. What What was that story? Yeah. So the story was so when I ended up when I was in the university working for the rector, blah blah blah, international programs. I a headhunter came and said, "Hey, I have this amazing position in the private sector. This is the top leading company for audiovisual productions in Barcelona and in Spain." We would do a great job here taking care of this position. The position was uh, projects, projects. Depending to the COO of the company, I would be in charge of coordination of projects. Mm. And it was audiovisual projects. So I was sitting next to engineers, next to creative directors, art directors. So all these amazing, like, you know, amazing, you know, animals, I would say, you know, I mean, everybody with so many different backgrounds and, and expectations in life and everything. Uh, I mean, me included, obviously. And, and, and from there, uh, I actually, uh, I saw in the newspaper, I saw uh, an, uh, an ad to go to work uh, in the UK for an American company. Uh -huh. And, you know, when I was at that audiovisual company, I wasn't able to use French or English. But when I saw that, I said, oh, my God, this is a great position. This is a great opportunity for me. And this is exactly what I did. So I went to the interview in Madrid. I went to from, you know, from uh, where I was living from Barcelona to Madrid and I got the job. I mean, I, I as you can imagine, and your, your podcast name is very, is very accurate, Life Passion. I've been really be, uh, live, uh, living my life passionately. So I think that that gave me my, my, my wild card for the UK. And then I, 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 I mean, just a matter, I think that was at the, at the end of what? 90 something, 90, maybe 97 mm -hmm. or something, 98. Uh, and in, in the beginning of 98, I was already in the UK working for this amazing company. Uh -huh. um, and uh, I mean, and, and that was the first ever assignment, let's say in sales. So uh, I went from relationships to sales. So I was doing like sales calls all day long, all day long, all day long. I was in charge of a part of Europe and I was making you know, sales calls, basically, you know, and my main goal was to set up appointments and to close deals uh, for the field, for the, for the field reps, for the field representatives, sales representatives of that company. Mm. And I remember I was, I was so, I was so passionate about it. And I, I loved it so much that my bosses kept on giving me, kept on giving me additional territories I could call into. And I remember originally for only Spain, then it was Portugal. I was able to speak a little bit of Portuguese. What, what, what were you selling out of interest? Uh, it was high, uh, it was technology, it was basically software services around so software training, consulting, this kind of things. Mm. And uh, and I was doing it so well that actually they gave me Germany, and I wasn't able to speak any German besides something that I had learned from, it's a bit from, strange a, from to get a, a language, you can't, a country where you can't speak the language. But but I was, I, I had dated a German girl for a while, and actually I was still dating a German girl, I would meet with her, so I, I knew some German. So I started calling German accounts, speaking a little bit of German and a little bit, and obviously English. And it went very, very well. It was really great. It went really, really well. And then they gave me the Nordic countries and I started calling Denmark. And I started to be acquainted with these super high tech companies in Denmark that do amazing stuff. Uh, and, you know, it was such an amazing experience. I mean, to be, still to be sitting down in the UK, but making folk, phone calls and developing relationships with people with C-levels with sea levels so that they would give me appointments for my field sales reps in those countries that would go there 
mm. and would go, would go there and close the deal or, you know, take the, bur the purchase order. I think whatever. the advantage you had at the time is in the 90s is that the internet wasn't that well developed. It was there, it existed, but it wasn't as it developed. as. And so telephone sales was still the way to go. It was still a po it was still possible to get good connections and get and actually get through to people on the phone. I think today you'd have find that really hard to do that. Yes, I have. I mean, I, I from time to time I make you know cold calling and I, I don't mind doing it. I just you know mm -hmm. it's 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 just a it's just a habit, right? I mean, uh, I myself obviously get a lot of phone calls. You probably do as well. I mean, I remember when I moved to the U.S. Something that really surprised me was the amount of phone calls I would get as soon as my phone number was at some system, at some vendor of some sort, immediately my email address, excuse me, my phone number would become like public and everybody would call me. But regardless, you know, um, I, to your point, yeah, I was, I was really good in making phone calls. I remember doing those, those call blitzes. There was one, one, once a week, we will do cold, cold, cold call blitzes, mm -hmm. which means that there was a competition in place and all the team, that we were doing, you know, the, the sales account managers out of the UK, we would have a call blitz and whoever made the most calls and got the most appointments in that day, that person would, would win a, would win a, an award, a prize. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that was so much fun. And, you know, this day we had pizza and we would work, we would come in early and we would, you know, um, we would, excuse me. I, and I was, uh, you know, we would be staying there late and then we would go all together to a restaurant. But again, you know, when you start doing something for fun, suddenly it's not, it's not so complicated anymore, you know? Mm. Um, it's, 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 it's fun, so it means that you're really making, all, you're making the most of it. And, and, you know, if someone rejects you, if one of those gatekeepers just say no or, you know, they just don't want and they hang up on you, it's okay, you know, it is what it is. You're there to do a job, and and you know, I mean, their job is as respectful as mine. It's, yeah. it's as honorable as mine, you know. Yeah. So, it's just a matter of wanting to do it and having fun doing it. So, um, obviously, I guess you moved to the states, having got having got on this company at some stage. I guess. No, actually, I, from there I went to I went to Mexico. Actually, I asked for. Uh, so it was in two thousand and one that uh, I went for a vacation to Latin America. And when I came back, I said, hey, I would, like to, I would like to go to work in Latin America. I think that there's something there for me. And they look for a job for the same company. Again, we were a large, large corporation. And they said, yeah, I mean, well, well they don't, to be honest, they told me, you're crazy. Why, why do you want to go to a third world country when you're doing so well here in London? I mean, you have a great job, great, you know, great salary. Uh, you have a great future. Why on earth do you want to go somewhere, you know, to, to, to a third world country? You're kind of, you know, this is this is like breaking your career. And I said, no, but you know, culturally speaking, I'm sure that there's a lot of things that I have to learn, and I would love to do it. I really would love to do it. And yeah, three months later, I was already in Mexico. That was in in February 2001. In May, I was already in Mexico. They already helped me relocate, and I had a great. Really, I had a great, great, great time there. I was there for 10 years. And 10 years ago, I came here to Dallas. That's how I ended up in Dallas. So what has been the driver of all this? Is it the connections, the passion for you? Is it the connection with people? Is it the selling process? What was it? What was always the bit that drove you in all of this? I think that always um, the great opportunities have presented to me. I think that's that's probably the case. You know, I've been, I've been, I mean, 
I, when when I moved from the UK to Mexico, I worked for that company still uh, two three more years, and then uh, I left that company, started working for another company from a Spain Spain's Spain Spain's based company, but representing technologies in Mexico. And then in two thousand and five, I got another job in one of the my earlier former employers uh, competitor, and so if you ask me, I think that. I'm number one. I mean, every time there's been an opportunity, um, I do great in interviews. I mean, really, to be honest. So I've been able to really pick those amazing pearls and diamonds that show up in front of me and really like say, this is me. This is mine. You know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get this one. But gonna, what I'm is gonna... it about those pearls that you there is your passion for you? You know what? I mean, I, I can understand you. It's it, yeah. exciting of the job and that sort of, but what is it that's exciting? Because there must be something. It's, yeah, because it's, it was always I mean, sales has always had for me a special and a special flavor. You know, it hasn't this a special like, you know, you are able to work on a team and with that team, you are able to put in front of someone a proposition, a proposal, right? What is called in the sales, a value proposition, yeah. which is, you know, which is compelling enough for them to buy. That has always fascinated me. For me to be able to change the future of another company or another organization through the use of technology. But to be honest, the most fascinating part of that was the interaction was the personal interaction, was to start from the bottom of the organization, to have all those conversations with everybody, to gain this trust from all of them, and then eventually to reach the, the C-level executives again to close those deals. Yeah. It's, 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 really, it's really amazing when you see yourself thriving through an organization. You know, and really, this, this, was, this, this was really what ignited me to call my brand the CEO confident. Because... <clears throat> I was the, I, I, when I started counting how many C-levels and how many CEOs I had held with their businesses through the technologies I was selling, through the services, how, was I, how I was able to suggest to them different routes that they could take their businesses through. Yeah. You know, I, I, I said, oh my God, this is really what I have done. You know what, that when you enjoy so much the ride that you forgot what you have really done? Ah, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that you, you are enjoying everything so much that you never stopped and said, wow, this is everything I've done. And mm. you know, when people along the road, along my journey, were telling me, oh, Angel, that's fascinating. I mean, I, we want to be with you. We want to be next to you. We want, we want your help. We want you to come with us to close those deals, blah, blah, blah. But still, Paul, you're so much into, way, into serving that, that wave. Yeah, that you 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 stay there until suddenly, as as, as 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 until suddenly you leave corporate America and you said, "Where am I? Where are those waves? You know, where are those those places? Where are those people? You know." So I've always been in that space of helping a lot of people, help me helping a lot of people to help me support organizations to be, you know, to to start big processes of change. Yeah. And and again, as, as you see, sometimes some people ask me, Paul, if you if you could if you could do something different in your professional life, what would you do? And and actually, that's a that's a piece of advice I've always given my 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 kids is be a make sure that your Rolodex was always your Rolodex of contacts was always up to date. Mm -hmm. I can't you cannot imagine how many times I have thought, 
oh my God, I wish I had taken down all that information. I had remembered, I had kept the connection with all these people mm. because I consider myself, and I'm still a good connector, but if I, if I had treasured more all those relationships, Paul, oh my God, today, today my now, Rolodex, really? Mm. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine all those CEOs I spoke in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where are they now? Yeah, absolutely. Chief exactly. Where are they now? And I'm yeah. sure that you'll remember me because, you know, <laughs> who was that crazy Spaniard calling in Spanish to a German account? Who was that crazy guy? They will remember me, honestly. So... Because- some uh, somewhere this all stopped you changed you you leapt out of corporate america what happened well what happened is that oh my god you know i mean i i can do so many things so what am i going to do right so because I, I can do so many things right i mean i'm 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 i'm, I'm i i can take those many different courses of action yeah which which one so i i was confused i mean to be honest i, I was confused i didn't know what was the best best path to to take I had prepared my I had prepared my my exit. So I had I had already attended some conferences. I had started to learn. But why, what was what was the what was the the catalyst for leaving? Why did you decide you need to leave? Um. Well, actually, it, it was a combination, right? Number one, I wanted to stay spend more time with my family. Number two, um, I, I have always worked with with leaders that have really taught me something, right? And uh, you know when 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 you perceive that you're not growing, when you perceive that what you're saying is not, it's not heard, when you're perceived that politics are much more important than the productivity itself, when you don't genuinely care for other people and you are not rewarded for genuinely care for other people, there's something wrong there. Yeah. You know, so it was a combination of different things. And again, I mean, I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I mean, it's, it's just what it is. And I think that everything in life happens for a reason. You know, and uh, I have to be extremely grateful for every single person and organization that has given me the opportunity to grow with them. But, you know, I mean, I was the, the one that would spend literally 14, 15, 16 hours a day consistently for years, for years. I mean, for five, six, 10 years. I mean, that's that's who I was. And I enjoyed every single minute of, the, of that experience. But as you say, 14 hours a day is not really conducive to family life, is it? No. And also when you're work, when you're traveling, that's even worse because I was traveling all the time. Even, even when I was living here in the U S I was traveling all the time, all the time I was traveling, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was very important for me to be able to find a balance. And, you know, you, I mean, obviously there's things happening in the family and you realize that probably one of the reasons why those things are happening is because you're not present and fully present all the time. Yeah. Right. I mean, Life passion is important, but also life passion is as important as the family is important for you. Well, it's all part of it to me. I mean, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's the point, isn't it? We, we get to the point where we realize there is no bridge. There's no gap. See, I, I, people talk about life and work balance. I don't see a gap between life and work balance. It's just balance. It's just life. I, I couldn't agree more with you. People <laughs> are trying, trying to, I was just having, we, we have in Clubhouse, we have a, we have a room every week on purpose-driven leadership, purpose-driven leadership. Obviously, you are more than invited to join us in any discussion because we have people actually from Europe joining. And we were just having the exact same conversation. I don't understand life. Like there's this you know, department here called private life. And then there's this other department, which is family life. And then there's this other department called friend life. And then there's this other department of son's life. And then there's this other department like sibling life. 
you know, that mm. doesn't exist. You're, you're always the same. And all those, you know, lives just, you know, interlap, you know, that they are all have these, these, these gray areas. And so you are the same dealing with maybe different, you know, different, different boxes that you've put yourself into, but in reality, you are the only, you are the only box box. You see mm. the world as you are. My perception is my reality. And we can be both of us. We can be looking at the same landscape and see different things. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, so it, it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that finding the right balance between the different roles in your life is very important. So you jumped out of corporate America and you jumped into your own business. Yes. I jumped into my own business and into my own charity as well. Because besides, you know, besides building my consulting uh, firm, mm. you know, today we're already like 11, 11, 12 people. Uh, be- besides that, uh, we also started a, a nonprofit. And, you know, we, I had this experience that taught me exactly that, you know, I, I, I was, that I wanted to help underprivileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using the local resources. And with, with two friends of mine, or with a friend of mine and his father, we, us three, we created, we founded wisdom for kids uh, late 2017 and that was the beginning of an incredible journey which is going to latin america to help those kids in need i mean just to put this into perspective in latin america there are 170 million kids there were 170 million kids in 2012 this is unicef data 81 81 million kids in the 81 million kids live in poverty Mm. and 22 million of them don't have drinking water paul they don't have drinking water. So, you know, right now you're sipping your coffee. So they can, they, I mean, they have to save their water because they have to actually go and, you know, pick the water from somewhere or have it, have it delivered somehow if they have the money to pay the delivery. Yeah. So that's the reality, you know? So, so I mean, the situation is really bad. So, and I had, I had traveled so, so much throughout the entire continent, Latin American continent, that they became so aware of the poverty and I, I developed all those relationships with so many companies and powerful people in those corporations that I said, yes, let's do this. Let's, let's try to help with my humble knowledge. Let's try to help underprivileged kids as much as I can. And that, is that, how, how is that going? Is that a new charity? Did you, did you open is that a brand new charity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a brand, yeah, yeah absolutely. So I'm, I'm the president and co-founder of Wisdom for Kids. And uh, we have already helped more than 1,000 kids. So what is it that you do in your consultancy now? What is, what is I mean, you know, the charity, obviously, it helps the kids. What, what's the consultancy do? Are you selling Yeah, the so basically stuff? what we do, yes. But basically, um, I have two distinct audiences, both corporate CEOs and established entrepreneurs. They hire mm-hmm. me to bridge the gap globally for expansion and exposure. I had dealt with more than 1,500 companies and their C-level executives to increase, to accelerate the growth of their businesses. So when ah. I became my own boss, what I started to do is because I had done business those 1500 companies were in more than 33 countries. Wow. Uh, you know, mainly in the Americas and in Europe. So what I do for a living is actually helping companies right now to move internationally. That's what I do, help them move internationally. So that's why I consider my work two things. There's this part of exposure and this part of uh, expansion. Expansion being business development, finding new clients, selling, setting up new distribution channels, these kind of things and exposure which is marketing. How do you connect 
with the people in that particular geography that you want to go? Yes, How do you connect? Because moving internationally is actually quite a big thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, you've got to establish a bridgehead. I mean, often, obviously, it's best to establish a partnership rather than try and do it yourself in some ways. That's a great, that's a great question. Exactly. I, 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 we tend to think that we are in the internet and everything is global. And right now, just 12 months ago, we had the example, something happened in one part of the world and suddenly every single you know, person in the world was under the same kind of circumstances. Mm. But it's not true. Going international, it's not just we have the internet and we start publicizing or advertising to that area. It's not like this, not at all. Even if it's difficult to move physically as human beings, Going to another area means that you have to adapt yourself, your products and services to what the <clears throat> consumers in that particular area want. And yeah. this developing a strategy, a partnership a strategy is a good thing. But obviously what I bring to the table is I have already developed those relationships and those partnerships before. So I already know who the trustworthy relationships and partnerships might be for that company that wants to work with me. Hmm. If that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So you, you bring a resource to the table for them. That's what you do. Exactly. Exactly. And for me, obviously, it's much easier also if I'm going to an industry that I haven't been before. It's much easier for me to actually tap onto the, onto the genius of someone else in that country because I already know so many companies in that country. Literally, in all those countries, I know people that are friends of mine or have been business partners of mine mm. or I know companies there. So again, all those things, that's, that's why I said before, you know, if I had to regret Something of my past would be probably, you know, keeping well, much more. Would be very valuable now, wouldn't it? In this, in your, in your... much more exactly. So I, I'm happy <laughs> with what I have, but you know, it's always much easier to start a relationship with someone that you have already had a relationship before. Well, know? it's been an interest. It's fascinating to hear your story and your journey. So, that, so now, now we move Thank into you. the kind, the kind of you know, the kind of thing. Clearly, you have a very strong success model. What is that? What is it for you? What's your definition of success? Well, the definition for success is actually freedom. <laughs> how free I am, how yeah. free I am to dictate what I'm going to do tomorrow, the next week or the next month. Yeah, that's for me success. Success yeah. is really being the owner, the fully and unique owner of my time, given any any period of time ahead of me. Yeah. Really, that's for me success. That's the best definition for success. And has it always been that? Um, that's a great question. Probably not. I think that before, when I was by myself, before I had my family, before I got married, before I had kids, it was yeah. probably different because I saw, I, saw, I saw freedom so close to me because at any point in time, I could decide, boom, I go to another country, I go to another city, I go to another place, you know? So probably for me, success was more like having more resources to do specific things. And right now, it's not as important the resources, but the time to do them. Before... I was like, I felt really free. I mean, it's not that I'm not free, but as you know, when you get married and you have kids, your level of responsibility with the world increases, right? I also because... wonder actually if it's, if it's a product of getting older, because as we get older, you know, I mean, I, 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 I suspect I'm older than you, but not much, not by much, I don't know, not by much. But what I do recognize is that I've, I've got less time left than I have lived so far, possibly. Well, guess what? I don't think I don't think so about myself. So regardless of my age, which I, I could agree with you, actually I think I'm gonna be living in this world for many more years than the years I've lived today. Oh, okay. So I really consider I have not even reached the equator of my life. Okay. So I know that the best everything, all my failures, all my flaws, all my mistakes, all my achievements, 
so far have been really the springboard, you know, for me to what I have to do for the rest of my life. Well, I'm, I'm not have... saying I won't achieve anymore. What I'm getting at is oh, that no. the end is coming. You know, the, the, the end is over there somewhere and it's starting to be visible. <laughs> yeah, but maybe, maybe, you know what? Now that you're asking me about this, I've never been so much in peace with death than I am today. Yeah. Never, ever. Like, I'm... I was much more afraid of, of dying before than now. Yeah. So, and you know, when a lot of people define, you know, how rich you are, or how wealthy you are by how, how much you can maybe help others or how much with what you have today, you can generate all together. Yeah. So for me, um, it's funny how, again, when you ask me, you know, what was my definition of success? I think that wealth and success come hand to hand. And I think that everything that I've been doing so far in my life, everything that I've been doing is just preparing for the big exposure and the big, you know, becoming a bridge and a connector in a, in a massive way with so many people. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've as, as, as anybody else, you know, while we could do these things personally, face to face, I would go to a lot of networking <laughs> events, right? A lot of networking events. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you would meet with so many people and you would have all so many conversations, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? In reality, it depends on the quality of that relationship that you would develop in that networking event. Always. That exactly that that would end up being somewhere. So I believe that by increasing exposure and the way I'm doing it today, and obviously thank you very much for having me on your show. I think that being you know myself the witness of what I see in the world and what I have seen before is going to help me you know propel myself moving forward. So I think that we will see each other for a long time, Paul. I think we probably will. Because I, I, yeah, I think we probably will. It's this, this networking thing you talk about, so I, I, you know, I, I don't go to network meetings at the moment, obviously. Uh, and I live in a rural area. So networking meetings tend to be a bit, a bit less and less, less common. But I, you know, I remember going to some big network meeting, meetings and you can see the super networkers and they are amazing how they just pass through the room. And it's like, and it's like, I always, how do you do that? It's so clever how they, and they remember everybody's name or they remember something about everybody that, I mean, there is a real network. There's a real skill to that process of people have. There is, but that, again, you know, it's, it's like, it's when you ask the question, what's the most important skills that you, we should be taught when we go to school, right? Yes. One of them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So that's why, you know, myself, I'm so unconventional in the way that, I see the education that my kids received. I have, I have still two kids in the school age and I always tell the teachers the same thing. You know what the most important thing for me is? It's not the particular subject that you're teaching my kids, but that they really feel loved and they really feel that they have a connection with you. Mm. The most important thing for me is that my kid develops a connection with you and is able to grasp your real human being mm. and maybe learn and enjoy the subject that you are teaching. But for me, mm. it's not the grade. It's that he feels loved and appreciated every single day when he goes to the classroom. Really? That's good. That's good. Yeah, I agree. That. Yeah. Yeah. So moving like moving us on. So look, what about contribution for you? What what is what do you what is your contribution you see? Yes, I mean, well, number one, I think my contribution is number one is being present every single time I am anywhere. So yeah. you know, now I'm with you. I think that my my main duty or depth with humanity is to be myself every single time I show up for some public event like this one today. 
Yeah. Okay, so my contribution is to just be myself every single time out there and, and not pretend to be anybody else with my flaws and with my virtues, you know. That's who I am. That's what I am sta standing up for. And uh, try to and try to be the most present possible to as many, you know, public events as possible. Because, I, I mean, again, I, I know I have a probably a pretty unique story to tell. And, you know, we've, we've, spoken, we've spoken about many different aspects of my life. But still, being true to myself consistently and putting my word out there and to try to build bridges and connect people which are unconnected and teach people how to connect in a genuine way without, you know, without really making it about me, but about the relationship. Mm -hmm. How do you invest about the relationship and not, and not about you? You know, I think that we have to learn. We should be taught, honestly, about how to collaborate and how to network, how to be really working together, hand in hand with someone else. We should be taught that. The same way we should be taught about memory, right? We were talking about these super networkers. There's so many things that we are not taught which are so important and they are, that's, that so much condition our future success. How many of us, I mean, you, you, as you know, you probably every time you do read something about the US, we have 350 million people here. How many are in debt? How many actually go paycheck to paycheck? How many? The majority. The majority yeah. as a country, is that a success? No, of course it's not a success. So what should we do? Should we still keep them in the payroll of the government? Of course not. We should help them understand how they can escape the rat race without being a rat. Because if you are in the right race and you're not in the, rat, in the race, but you're still a rat, you're still a rat. So, you know, you have to understand how to get out of the rat race forever. So that's why, that's why there are so many entrepreneurs out there, online marketeers that have become have become so successful yeah, yeah, yeah. because they really have been able to teach this skill how to you know all those missing all those education educational gaps that we have as a as an spc you know they have to be somehow overcome and these guys fill the gap they fill the gap that's why they are so successful i would say the one thing that very clearly comes over you you are all about relationships your yes. whole life has been about relationships Yes, and I've always been very good friend of my friends. Mm. There's still people I meet today. I mean, nothing makes me more happy than people that have, I haven't seen for 15 years and they reach out to me or 20 years, they reach out to me and say, hey, I still remember that. And today when we were in the family, we remember you and we prayed for you and we have the kids. We explained to the kids who you were to us and what you did for us, blah, 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 you know. So that's, that, I mean, that's priceless. I mean, you, you asked me about my contribution. That's my contribution. Well, it is. If you're to be remembered and, and people are valuing you, that is a massive contribution. Exactly. And it was always there for me. You know, mm. I, I remember one time, and that's a very like private personal con um, confession, but I remember I was working so hard in corporate America that at one time I, 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 was, I was literally going home only one or twice, uh, one or two days every other week. Wow. Every other week. I remember my once many years after my wife told me, Angel, I never told you this, but during those times, I thought that you were going to like, like divorce me or you were going to go with someone else or yeah, yeah, yeah. because, because you really were not present. You no. were not present, you know? So, so that, um, that is imbalance. That is definitely imbalance. of work. Exactly. But you know that, but she loved me so much. And I guess I loved her so much, but we never had this conversation after many years after, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, we, we survived and we had two more kids and, you know, all three in total. So I guess, you know, we did something right. And again, you know, it's a matter of it's 
it's today what matters, you know, Paul. It's like we are so concerned about the future and remorseful about the past, and it's just having fun now, you know. It's having having fun now. Well, now is the moment of power. You can't, you know, you can do nothing about yesterday or tomorrow. Exactly, exactly. I always like, you know, it's the second time I see you, and I'm so blessed to being in your show that, you know, you, you for those of you, maybe you are listening to us in the podcast, but he has this wonderful, you know, framed, you know, a picture behind him, uh, Paul does, that says spirit, spirituality, and it's about an event I think you attended, you told me the other day. And, you know, it really speaks a lot about, you know, what, what they believe, and it speaks a lot about probably who you are as well, right? That's why you have it there. It, well, it's the event I put on, so so that's that's why it's there. It hasn't, and I need to take it down because it's it's passed, but it, it hasn't come down yet. That's why it's just still there. So it was it was a great event. It was yeah. I'm not exactly. I will wax to lyrical about it. Um, but yeah, but, but you probably you met nice people and you learn a few <clears throat> things and I learned some those, lots. You learned a lot, and that's that has that has uh, you know traveled with you throughout your life. Yes, it has indeed. So look, tell me. Question, what is the one question I haven't asked you yet? <laughs> uh, the one question is, if you had to tell, um, that's a great question. I've never, <laughs> been asked that, I've never been asked that question. It's funny because I get, I get asked so many questions. Probably the one question is, if you could advise something to humanity, what would be that piece of advice that you would give them? What was the what? That's a good question. What was the one piece of advice <laughs> you would give to humanity if you could give it to them? Yeah. To, to take imperfect action now. I think that we overthink everything too much, and I think that our fellow humans, if I can speak in those terms, our fellow humans are the same as us. They have the same fears. They have the same joys. They have the same tough lives, and they need to connect with us. And I think that if we all took action of whatever it is that we want to do, if we just took action, we, we, give, we gave it a try, I think that we would, we would be doing so much more, so many more things, and we, be, we would be more focused on what happens inside of us as opposed to what's happening around us. <laughs> it, it's the same it's, it's the same that imperfect action it's like fail forward, isn't it? Because you, it, everything's going to have to, nothing will be perfect. And there will always be bits of it that work and bits of it that don't. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, I don't know who invented this, this word. Well, it's not the word. The word is not, it's not to blame. It's not, the, it's not that we have to blame the, the word failure or failing. It's the, it's the meaning that we put to that word. I know. You know, it's the, so, because if, if we had in the dictionary, failure is the synonym of trying or is the synonym of learning or lesson, guess what? It would be the same thing. And yet, and you know, and yet we all stood up and fell over, didn't we? Of course. And most humans walk. <laughs> we didn't yeah. give up at that point. Oh, sort this walking lock. It's not, it's not, it's not up to much. I'm going to keep crawling. <laughs> but, 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 but have you ever thought why? Probably because our parents or whoever was raising us. Yeah. Support Was us. praising us. Exactly. Yeah. Was telling us, well done. We were yeah. failing, but well done, Angel. Yeah. Well done, Paul. I remember when my second... Uh, with my second year old and oh my god wasn't he excited and 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 all the family was with him and it, it was a blast i mean yeah, I, yeah. I i remember that moment very 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 well so i uh, i i mean i remember i remember those things as well with my own son so it's, it's, I'm, but i won't go down there because it's just a rabbit hole to travel down because <laughs> we, we could get into kid stories and it's amazing 
So look, if people want to connect with you and who yeah. are you looking for? And if they want to connect you, how would they do that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm basically looking for number one for, you know, established entrepreneurs. Yep. Uh, then I'm looking for, you know, C-level executives of corporations. Yeah. And, and uh, as I said before, you know, basically I help them accelerate the growth of their businesses through, you know, breaching the gap globally, you know, for expansion and exposure of their businesses. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I do it because of what I have done throughout my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the easiest way to connect with me, as you know, I'm very active online, very active on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. I post every single day. And the easiest way to reach out to me directly, and I have a team of people that's going to respond if it's not myself directly, is to send me an email. It's very easy email. It's angel, as in heaven, angel, A-N-G-E-L, at angelrebo.com. Rebo is my last name, and it's spelled like R-I-B as in boy, O. So it will be angel at angelrebo.com. And I guess I said before, I always respond to all emails. Fantastic. Well, all those links and things will be on the podcast and notes, and also they'll be at, the, at our website, Life Passion Business. So that'll they'll be there for you. Thank you. So the final question I ask all my guests, which is the big question that we all have to deal with, or maybe don't, because a lot of people don't deal with it, but it's nice to get a thought on it from people: is what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of us being here? Why are you here, Angel? Thank you. Well, what what I have humbly learned. For the last few years since I was born, I would say that first there's the meaning of life, right? That, that, that's the first thing. People think that sometimes there's no meaning. I think there's a meaning. And the meaning is that we have to learn something. I think that we have to learn a lot of lessons. And that's why we came here to live this life. <laughs> and I think that we are spiritual beings having a, a physical experience. And we are here. And regardless of the meaning that we put into the word mistake or failure or failing, it doesn't matter. We are here to learn things. Yeah. And we are here to really have, and, and not only to learn things, but also to be inspiring the others, to, to mm. be aware that we are all part of the same. Yeah. We are all part of the same. And to feel compassion for someone that maybe, you know, is judging us and is whatever, it doesn't matter, you know, but to still think that we are all part of the same and that we are all the same and we are all came to do similar things. We are going to live different lives. That's, what's, that's what makes us unique. And that's what makes us really ready to offer our products or services yeah. in a unique way to clients out there if you want to. Yeah. But still, you know, we are all the same. We are all part of the same. And, you know, that's why enjoying every single moment in life, even if, if it's a tough moment, I think it's really important. Otherwise, I don't believe anybody would send us to this life to suffer. Yeah. So that's why I think that in part, it's our education who taught us that those failures and mistakes are have to carry suffering along with them. Yeah. I don't agree with this. It doesn't mean I don't suffer. It doesn't mean I'm not in fear. <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is that I figured out <laughs> that it wouldn't make sense to be here to suffer, although we do. We are here really to have an experience. And it wouldn't enjoy. make sense to come here and just have total joy, would it? I mean, just, just to come here and have, have eternal bliss, that wouldn't work either particularly, would it really? But people, people that have studied this more than us, or than me at least, they say that actually there's also joy in learning or in failing. There's joy in learning. You know what I mean? We, we don't have, as to your point, we don't have to be in bliss all the time, right? Huh. What, what a bliss. I mean, we are like, you know, the, the climax, you know? Well, there has to be we the color. Have... There has to be the up and down. Like, exactly. Like if you, 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 have to, you have to push against something to achieve something. And then you get the sense of achievement. Exactly. You know, so every failure is like, 
we have this light bulb yeah. coming out. Every yeah. failure is, we have this light bulb. Oh, okay. I learned that lesson now. Okay. Yeah. I understand now. I understand what I have to do. I, I understand how to play the rules of the game. Yeah. So I think that we have to learn the <clears throat> rules of the game. I think that, again, the formal education does not teach us the rules of the game. I wish someone did teach us. I wish they did teach the rules of the game properly. <laughs> I really wish they did. It just seems so weird that we, we've known these rules for a long time. And we just don't teach them. But Exactly. I agree. Well, Angel, thank you so much for being thank with you. us today. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. And um, I mine. wish you all the best. And uh, I'm sure we will keep in touch and speak again. Absolutely, we will. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me here today. And obviously, I, I appreciate uh, you know everybody who's listening to us today. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> yeah. All the best. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Angel Rebo. If you would like to connect with Angel, you can find him at divinehumanventures.com. You can find him on LinkedIn. You can also find all of his social links at linkflow.io, the CEO confident. Now, those links are available on the show notes above. They're also available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. So if you caught my program at the weekend, you will know I have been exploring inspiration and podcasts. You know, why do we listen to podcasts? So that was a program back from 2021, actually March 2021, with Angel Rebo. As I said at the beginning of the program, I am currently on the money experiment, which is a one-year process, a one-year project to explore the idea of creating a million pounds in my life in one year. And all of the mindset and energy that goes around that idea of generating that kind of wealth and abundance. It is an amazing program. We're now three, four weeks in and... It's only $25 to join. And now it's a crazy, silly price to join that program, but it's, and it's a one-year program. But, you know, it's it's being done for a reason. Part of it is that Joanna wants to give back to her people like herself when she was in this situation. But also it's about creating conscious millionaires. That's what it's all about. Anyway, look, check out the links in the show notes to find out more about this. There's a couple of podcasts I did on the subject. And there's also direct links to get involved with the program. So it's $25. There is an affiliate link, which you can also use too. You can actually join the affiliate program. Uh, so do check it out because it is amazing material. Not just that. I think it's actual fact that it's it's the process. It's the fact that we've got a year on this program with people who are going to work together on to explore ideas about how we how we relate to money and how we relate to abundance in general well worth it so do check out the link in the, in the show notes as i said anyway if you've enjoyed this podcast if you enjoy any podcast as i always say do support your content creators with likes shares and sharing it with other people because that's how people like yourself find a good podcast anyway as always thank you so much for your time and attention i will catch you next time all the best <laughs>